For all of Gabriel's show dates and ticket links go to gabrielrutledge.com. Or don't. If you would like to support this podcast by subscribing for $5 a month, click the Substack link in the episode notes. You won't get any extra episodes, but Gabriel will think warm thoughts about you. And now it's time for the drive home with Gabriel Rutledge. Play the royalty-free hip-hop music. Now here's your host, Gabriel. I was using the uh, bathroom stall in the Rio Casino last week. That's actually one of the underrated parts about Las Vegas is you are never very far from a very quality bathroom. Very clean, loud music playing in it, plenty of stalls available. And if you eat the Rio employee cafeteria all week, you're going to need a lot of stalls available. But I was in there. I was in the I was in the stall and then there was a guy using the urinal. Uh, couldn't see him. I just heard him. And I don't know, a lot of dudes are noisy in the bathroom sometimes. I don't know if women do this in the bathroom. I don't, I'm going to guess they don't. I'm guessing women in a public bathroom are never like, ah, oh, yeah. Oh boy. Oh. I'm going to guess that. But this guy, much to my delight, just unloads a giant fart. And then goes, Oh, thank God, I needed that. (laughs) Oh, boy. And that's the kind of freedom I want in my life. I want loudly fart in a public bathroom and then praise my creator. It's the kind of freedom I want. I'm on my way to... uh, Medford, Oregon tonight, uh, Corning, California, Saturday night, uh, my car smells like chicken strips right now, because last night I had a show in Arlington, Washington, and, uh, we got a $25 food voucher, and I wasn't gonna get anything, and then I'm like, well, I mean, I might as well get some food to go. I mean, they didn't let me sell merch. I might as well get my food money's worth. So I got like three chicken finger meals to take home for the family. And uh, right now my car smells like I have a one of those Christmas tree things dangling that smells like chicken fingers. Although I guess it could be a chicken finger shaped thing that hangs from my mirror. I'll get it figured out before I go on Shark Tank. Fun-smelling car deodorizers. So, sharks, who's ready to start smelling some profits? That show last night in Arlington, uh, yeah, a couple hours north of where I live, uh, 
the kind of show I haven't been doing a lot. Um, shitty, I think is what they're called. It was fine. But, I mean, it's in a, you know, it's a rural casino. It's right next to a bowling alley. By the way, the bowling alley was called Strikers. The casino was called Angel of the Winds Casino. And I really feel like they should have named the bowling alley Angel of the Pens. That's a real lost opportunity, in my opinion. But, I mean, you hear people yelling and screaming and pens getting knocked over. There's the faint sound of the overhead music playing the whole show. It's, uh, it's not ideal. But it was still, it turned out okay. I always think of, whenever I think of Arlington, Washington, I think of when I won the, uh, Seattle International Comedy Competition as a young, vibrant 30-year-old. Short-haired, no-beard 30-year-old. And then I told a Seattle booking agent who actually booked the show last night. I won't say her name, but it's Pat Wilson. After I won that comedy competition, I said, I sent her an email and said, I would like to headline now for you. I've already been headlining some. I just won the Seattle International Comedy Competition. And she sent back an email that said, what A clubs and A rooms are you headlining? A being like, you know, the best. A rooms, B rooms, C rooms, that kind of thing. And I was very annoyed. I wasn't annoyed that she might not want to headline me. But I was annoyed that she asked that question and I was annoyed that she also said, Oh, did you win the Seattle comedy competition? I hadn't heard, and I know she had heard because she was at one of the fucking shows. So I was very annoyed. So very uncharacteristically for me at that time, four years into comedy, I uh, I sent her an email back with a list of some of the places I headlined, which wasn't a lot. And I said, I'm curious, by A Rooms and A clubs do you mean places like the Buzz Inn and Steakhouse in Arlington, Washington because that was one of her gigs at the time that was just a total shit gig in the back of a restaurant and that's the kind of shit I was trying to headline for her anyway I started headlining she actually apologized to me if she came across as rude this feels kind of, uh, this is like an old school weekend for me where, you know, I'm driving, uh, well, about a four hour round trip last night. And then, uh, today I got to drive to, uh, Medford, six, six and a half hours, another three and a half down to Corning, California, and then all the way home, nine and a half hours. Uh, I still put plenty of miles on my car, but this used to be like all I did. Uh, this podcast is going to go up late. I don't know when. Uh, and then next week there won't be one because uh, family's going to Disneyland. And uh, podcasting has no place in the happiest place on earth. My wife and I got engaged at Disneyland, which is very embarrassing. I wish that was not the case. 
I'd rather we got engaged at the Angel of the Winds Casino in Arlington, Washington, to be honest. But I was on a family vacation with her family. Uh, and I decided to ask her to marry me. In front of Sleeping Beauty's castle. No, we're not neurodivergent. Why would you ask that? Also, there was a woman, when I asked her to marry me, uh, there was a woman who was, like, watching and got very emotional about it. And I can't remember... I'm sure my wife remembers. She said something weird, like, do you need a witness or something? Like, a witness? We're not... There's no judge here now, ma'am. This is the engagement part. But anyway, a woman started crying when I asked uh, the woman who would be my wife to marry me. Just a stranger. We also went on our honeymoon to Disneyland. This... I'm not... I'm embarrassed about all of this. Why did we do that? I guess when you get married at 23 and honeymoon in Disneyland, that's why when you're 49 and you go on vacation to Vegas, uh, you go to a strip club because you're trying to make up for lost <laughs> stupidity. Anyway, this is not a family vacation with her family, but it'll feel that way because we'll be using your mom's credit card for part of it. But that's not your business. So when you've been with someone a long time uh, in a relationship, it's, you know, in the way that you would talk to your friends, well, it's the way I talk to some of my friends that I still know from when we were, like, after high school or whatever, or in high school, and you're like, God, we were idiots. Remember this stupid thing we did? Remember how dumb we were? But it's weird when, like, that's your spouse. weird when that becomes part of your story. Like, we were fucking idiots. Still together, though. Angel of the Pins. Get it? Strikers bowling. There was a guy at the show last night who, uh, I did a show at his house in 2020. I think it was his 80th birthday party, so uh, I think Chuck must be 82, 83 by now. So, uh, congratulations, Chuck. But uh, it was weird to see him. I didn't remember right away, but uh, he reminded me. And it was like, because at that time, doing a show outdoors in someone's backyard was like very foreign to me. And I, you know, I didn't know I was going to go on to do like, dozens and dozens of them because that's what comedy was going to be for a year or two. But there is a weird thing when you run into people you only know from COVID times where you're kind of like, hey, let's uh, kind of don't want to see them. Hey, remember you did a party at my house? summer of 2020 I'm like yeah I didn't I didn't really want to think about that Chuck remember when your whole life fell apart and you 
didn't know how you were going to make money and you started delivering groceries for Walmart. Remember that? Yeah, thanks for coming, Chuck. I try to sell you a t-shirt, but I'm not allowed, so I'm going to get chicken strips. Remember when your job was illegal? Oh man, that was wild. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming, Chuck. Man, you cried in your car a lot that year. Who told you that, Chuck? Get the fuck out of here. Last episode, when we last left our hero, me, uh, I was talking about uh, a video I had that was going viral. And it was getting a lot of, like, uh, negative commenting. A lot of people using the term weaponized incompetence in the comments of of the video because the video was like about, I'm not going to play it again, but, you know, it's about how I'm the assistant manager of my family. My wife kind of runs shit in our house. And I learned uh, where some of those uh, negative comments were coming from. Because apparently, uh, someone named Laura Danger. That can't be a real name. Uh, and I never heard of her. I think she has a podcast. Uh, she has 500,000 followers. So, obviously, she's doing something that people enjoy. I think she has some sort of connection to the Reese Witherspoon brand. Which I don't know what that's called, but like, you know, like uh, Gwyneth Paltrow has Goop and Reese Witherspoon has her own sort of women's thing. I don't know what it's called. But apparently one of this uh, lady's big topics is weaponized incompetence and uh, things of that nature. And she made a video... With me, you've seen those videos where it's like, you know, there's a video playing in the background and then like her face in front of it and she's discussing. Uh, well, I'll play it. It's just, it's like cuts of me. Uh, saying, it's like not even a, one joke. It's like three different jokes. She sort of like took lines out of to make her points. If I take a kid to the doctor by myself, embarrassing what I do not know about my own children. They're like, what's your daughter's birth date? I'm like, 1221. They're like, what year? Every year. Comedy like this that makes men into big dum-dums make it seem like they are the punchline. Like we're making them into the fool, into the jester. But we are not. Because men have the powerful hand in this situation. Men's incompetence hurts women. His wife is the one suffering. His kids who have a dad who doesn't know shit about them, they suffer. When you make comedy out of men who can't take care of themselves, you also make comedy out of women who have to clean up their shit. 
which isn't fair, which has cost, which is harmful. I don't really know what I'm doing with my children or my wife. That's why I am the assistant manager of my family. <laughs> yeah, my wife is the manager. Uh, we work as a team. That's what the assistant manager does. Even if I don't have the same understanding or enthusiasm for our policies. None of this is unique. We need my wife to be in charge. She is so good at running our family. I am not. The only reason I get to be assistant manager is I am sleeping with the manager. There's nothing really new about those jokes, but because they are so familiar, it's really easy to just brush them off as harmless when they aren't. You're in a relationship. Basically, what you're saying to someone else is, look, I love you just the way you are. I just wish you were different. These kind of jokes normalize casual contempt, and they desensitize us to the negative consequences that result from these actual dynamics. These kind of jokes normalize casual contempt. Jesus Christ. I love you just the way you are. I just wish you were different. That that one in particular made me laugh because uh, my children both wear... I used to sell a shirt that says, I love you just the way you are. I just wish you were different. My kids wear that shirt to school. They wear that casual contempt to school. So anyway, I mean, it didn't really go viral for her, but you know, hundreds of thousands of views of her talking shit about me as an example of... She has a video series called Weaponized Incompetence, and I'm in it, not to brag. But that's, I think that's where a lot of the negative comments were coming from. Uh, people who follow her, not exclusively, some people just had their own negative opinions, but... Look, I'll say, I'll say this. Uh, first of all, over 15 million views <laughs> on that video on Instagram. I went from, I think, 23,000 followers to 48 as of right now. I will take that. I will take, um, if all I had to do was be a bad husband and father to more than double my Instagram followers, I would have done it years ago. And look, I, you know, one of the reasons this particular criticisms hurt me more than most is like, you know, whatever. I'm used to people saying you look like a fat Dave Grohl or you suck or you're not funny or, you know. But like, you're a bad father is, uh... <laughs> I just wasn't quite ready for that. And honestly, as someone who has always taken some pride in, I think, after my show, people have actually said to me very often over the years, like, I, you know, I, I like how you talk about your wife. Like, you don't, many comedians sort of talk with contempt for their partners and, you know, yes, I'm making jokes about my family, but I, I think people understand it's out of love and there's no animosity there and so when someone is saying the opposite when someone is saying I have contempt 
for my wife because I said, I love you just the way you are. I just wish you were different. You know, that gives me a minute of pause. And look, I'm not even saying I disagree with her agenda. I have watched TV shows and stuff before where the dad is a fucking moron and that's the comedy. Well, you know, whatever. Everybody loves Raymond or something, although it is a funny show, but it's just like, you know, that's kind of the whole thing. Like, ah, that's my Raymond impression. Ah, Deborah, I'm dumb. But here's the thing about all those jokes that she kind of picked out. Uh, all of those jokes are funnier if it's a mom saying them. If the mom is saying, I can't remember the year my kids were born all the time, it's funnier than me saying it. And in fact, there's thousands of comments from moms under that video saying, whatever, I have four kids, I have three kids, I can't keep their birth year straight either. So, like, what, is that weaponized incompetence? Are they shitty moms if I'm a shitty dad? I don't think so. But that's the premise Laura Danger is putting out there. And, look, you know, it's a lot... I looked at a few of her videos, and even the, the words she uses... In mine, it's a lot of therapy speak. It's a lot of new age horseshit. And look, I've been to enough counseling <laughs> where I can say, look, she is allowed to feel however she wants based on the words I said. She's not really allowed to say how my wife feels about me, how my kids feel about me. You know, he made this joke and that means he doesn't know shit about his children. Well, you don't really get to say that. And the reason people self-deprecate about their being a dad for the sake of humor is that's all jokes. All jokes have a victim. And it's easier to make that victim you than anyone else. But again, if a, you know, whatever hacky joke you want to say, if a woman on, if a mom on stage was just like, I have three kids, they're in the car right now, you know, that old joke. That's funnier than me saying it. If I go, I have three kids, they're named Johnny, Maisie, and whatever the third one is, I forget. That's funnier if a mom says it than a dad says it. That's not weaponized incompetence, that's just jokes. And if there is such a thing as weaponized incompetence, there is also such a thing as weaponized outrage. This lady has a brand. Some of my jokes fit into what she's trying to do. She used that for her benefit. Okay. I showed my kid, I showed my daughters the video sort of as a internet lesson 
And then also just in case someone told them about it. Because I was getting messages from people. Uh, my brother, my brother got a message from someone who sent him the video that was like, you might want to check on your brother. He might be going through some shit right now. Uh, but my kids watched it and they were like, wait, don't, don't they know you're, doesn't, they're like, wait, doesn't she know you're joking? And I was like, yeah, I guess she's just pretending she doesn't. You know, I can't, I'm not listening to it right now, obviously, I'm driving, but the part where she was saying something about how I, you know, I'm, my wife is a victim because I'm making her be in charge of everything because of my incompetence or whatever. All of my youngest was like, has she met mom? (laughs) Oh, for fuck's sake. I'm not forcing her to do anything. Also, I have some, you know, I'm probably, I'm better at some things in parenting. We both have our strengths and weaknesses. That joke is about how my wife is much better at the details that are required to run a nonprofit family. Being a good parent, being a good husband isn't funny. Things working out isn't funny. If I see someone walking on stairs, I hope they don't fall. But it's a lot funnier if they do. And good Lord, if you're going to listen to jokes like, you know, two guys walk into a bar and you're like, alcohol is poison. Like, well, oh, okay. No one tells a story about the time they almost shit their pants. You gotta shit your pants for it to be a story. Things are going well. My wife and I are equal and supportive partners. Good night. Thank you for attending my comedy show. you know all the comments like this dude doesn't even know his kids birthdays I didn't say I don't know their birthdays I said on occasion the birth year eludes me and my wife knows all of their Kaiser Permanente insurance numbers by heart probably that's the difference in between us okay I appreciate her contributions. And I think my wife appreciates mine. It's weird. You know, to like get big online, you kind of need an agenda. But also, you can't trust anyone with an agenda. 
Like if you're if you're a conservative person and you find a conservative person to follow or listen to You can't trust everything they say because they're looking for things that they can turn into their outrage. Same with liberal people. And even if it's not about politics, even if it's about weaponized incompetence or about... If you have an agenda, you look for things to fit into that agenda that you can use for content, that you can use for your brand. And, you know, we used to say we were right, and it's still true, that, like, you can't trust the news because they're just trying to scare the shit out of you and... They have to get ratings. They have to uh, sell advertising. So it's not really what we need to hear. We can't really trust what they're saying. That was all true, and it's still true. But the internet has taught us that we are no better than the corporations as individuals. We all have our own agendas. We are also bought off by special interests, but our special interest is ourselves. But there's no money and there's no following in going like... Hey, life is complicated and nuanced. I don't agree with conservatives about a lot of things, but they raise a few good points, or the opposite. There's no money in that. There's no following in that. Who are the big moderates online? Who's got a big moderate following? Fucking no one. So, whatever. Is it fucked up? Did it fuck with me a little bit to have, like, my video as an example of part of the problem? Especially when I feel like I live my life in a way that I am in no way what she's talking about. I am not a disengaged father. I am not... an unsupportive husband. And I don't think anyone who knows me would say that and my wife does not say that now and my kids laughed it off like this is ridiculous they were laughing they're like oh my god dadu's getting cancelled that's what they call me dadu they thought it was funny I mean, I was almost showing it to them like, hey, if this comes up, you should know about it. And they were just like, what? This is ridiculous. I mean, it's become a joke in my house. It's like... I'll be like, do you guys want lunch? If you do, you're going to have to wait till mom gets home because I don't know how to work the stove. 
What were your names again? But let me tell you why this is good for me. And yes, I did go to therapy yesterday. have lived my whole life, almost 50 years, uh, as a people pleaser. I want everyone to like me. I get my attention from not being a problem. I get my positive attention from being a good person. I have a reputation as a very nice guy. And it's, I am a nice guy, but my point is that really, all those things haven't really served me well. And I'm really, I'm trying, this has been a big year of personal growth for me. I'm, I'm not... I'm learning to advocate for myself. Things things that used to feel selfish to me. I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to see what do I actually want? What are my actual needs? How can I advocate for myself? And that's not something I've done in my life that often. I mean, look, I just told you I went to Disneyland for my honeymoon. I didn't want to go to Disneyland for my honeymoon. But I was also like, oh, who gives a shit? But that's my whole life. I guess, what do you want to do? Who cares what I want to do? But I've, real, I've started advocating for myself. I've started doing things that feel wrong and feel selfish. And it's kind of like... changed my life a little bit. Me doing things in my relationship that feel more selfish has actually improved the quality of my wife's life. Because it's a more honest, real relationship. And what does this have to do with people uh, saying I'm a bad father on the internet because of my dumb, dumb jokes? Not everyone's going to like me. Who gives a shit? There's some freedom in that. I already knew that. Every stand-up comic knows not everyone's going to like you. But on this level, on this level of like, uh, whatever, 15 million views, and on this level of like, people using my video as an example of something that's new to me and who gives a shit it's not my job to make everyone like me maybe you don't think I'm a nice guy who gives a fuck So sometimes internet lessons uh, intertwined with real life lessons. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to be an asshole. 
But I am admitting I am an asshole. Because everyone is. I mean, if you're on a... Uh, if you have a someone you know who complains about everything... Or they're just always upset about something... Isn't part of the reason they bother you? Because you're like, that's what I want it to be like. I also want to complain all the time. I also want to feel like I'm a victim all the time. But I don't get to do that, so why the fuck should you? That's what I mean by we're all assholes. When we see someone who complains all the time, or seems ungrateful, it's not that we don't recognize that behavior. We do recognize it. We're like, that's how I feel inside a lot. But I keep it locked up. This fucking asshole's just saying it. So some people who do not know me think I'm a bad father, think I'm a bad example, think I'm putting bad things out in the world because I'm a dumb, dumb jokes. Who gives a fuck? Those people probably had some bad shit happen to him. And that's, you know. Or they didn't. They just like their own little, uh, you know, it gives you a little thrill to be outraged at something. I see things all the time. I don't, I don't know if the word offended is right, but I see comedy all the time I don't agree with or I think is stupid. So it's not that I can't identify with hearing jokes and going, I don't like what they're actually saying. Other people's opinion of me is not my business. But I do think there's a, I mean, we all do this on some level, but there's a, there's a willful ignorance and pretending you don't know I'm joking or like pretending somehow my 90 second jokes are like some sort of uh, documentary about the current state of marriage people identified with the joke that's one of the reasons it has millions and millions of views people see themselves and what I'm talking about and it, I don't know it can't be a great life to just listen to jokes and then you know figure out what you don't like about those jokes there's something wrong with these jokes that I could talk about so people could listen to me? Is someone else saying something that I could have a reaction to that would get me some sort of following? I'm not in the fucking reaction business. I make shit. Fuck you. I create things. If your following is because you look at shit other people create and you make comments on it, fuck off. You're not in my league. 
I make things. I built a little house of jokes, and you can show up and say you think the house looks like shit, but I still built it. And I don't, you know, I don't want a, I don't want a career that's me talking in front of other people doing things on a screen and me making comments about it. I want to write and perform jokes that resonate with people. I want people to come see me to do those jokes. I don't have an agenda. I don't need outrage. So I win. You lose. Good day, sir. What movie is that? I don't remember. Laura Danger. Fuck off. I mean, you gotta fight for joy in this life. You gotta fight for it. You gotta look for it. You gotta carve out time for it. You gotta make an effort to see it and acknowledge it. And instead, online, people are like, I see other people having joy, and I would like to point out how wrong they are. That's what you're going to focus on? You think that's going to bring you pride at the end of your life? Well, I saw other people having fun, and I told them why they were wrong. I didn't fight for joy. I fought joy. And I won. Congrats. All right, we're going to call that a podcast. Uh, I will see you when I see you.